This scripture, this sermon's called, What Does the Blood of Jesus Do for Us? Easter, right. Can I, can I, can I go through some thoughts, but scripture, I, I want to trim the fat, and I want to go through a line of thought. I want to go through scripture in determining uh, the heart of God through the covenant. As we know, the covenant is... Um, it's, it's more than just a contract, uh, and it's, it's more than just a pledge. It's a solemn agreement between two people. It's a solemn agreement. And God has a solemn, a solemn agreement between us as believers. And it's through the blood. Uh, this is the thing you've got to get over. I know this uh, language is, is a little bit of an affront to some people who are new to the church. But the Bible says there's life in the blood. And there was life in the blood of Jesus. And when he shed his perfect blood on the cross, the whole of the universe shook and was reconfigured into a new day. You talk about Windows 95, 98 or Windows 2000, whatever, and what effect that has over the planet. This is like a billion times more. A billion times more. And we, as of now, 2,000 years ago, there is a new arrangement on the planet. Not called Microsoft, but it's called the New Covenant. Who can say amen to that? And it's through the blood. It's through the shed blood of Jesus. And so I want to touch upon that because it's a huge... I don't want to teach on it, but I just want to lead you through. And then I want to take us to... The Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and blessings that would be enacted through the people of God that honored that covenant. And we will look at that. And then next week, I want to talk about the New Covenant blessings. Is that cool? So let's go through this. You heard Garth this morning. Garth, you did excellent again through the game. All the guys do excellent. Let's give it, give it up for those guys. Let, let's go to 1 Corinthians 11.24. And the title of the message is, What Does the Blood of Jesus Do for Us? What does the blood of Jesus do for us? We've got to understand this because there's a lot of benefits and there's a lot of intentionality from God. Say intentionality. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 11, 24 says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which was yours. Do this in remembrance of me. Bang, remembrance. I want to remember what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, but I want to remember too the heart of God through the other covenants. And, and, and I want to get to a place by next week where we're so ramped up in believing and having faith for the Easter season, say the Easter season, that we want to bring all, all the peoples we can get our hands on. We're going to get those brochures, and we've got a beautiful brochure made up. The promo is fantastic, and we want to get that out, get that out, get that out to your friends and family. Why? You want to bring them to religion? No! You want to bring them to the heartbeat of God for their life. Amen? You want to bring them to a relationship of love to their life. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about one-on-one with God, with Jesus. So, okay, let's, let's continue. Remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant. Say new covenant. In my blood. Say in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
Fantastic morning. I feel the presence of God. It's so here. So my heart this morning is to convey the benefits of the blood and of the new covenant, but of salvation. Are you with me on that? God's intentionality, God's great price that he paid through his son to redeem you, to redeem you into this loving relationship with him. So we need to look at a couple of things. This is the thing. I believe that we can find the heart of God for his people through the covenant. Just just somehow understand this 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 covenant that and 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 it's it's this solemn desire of God's heart of a relationship with you. That's I'm I'm trying to help some people who've never heard the word covenant. Um, covenant is okay. David Livingston, missionary, goes to Africa. Lots of different tribes. 50, 60, 100 tribes that are going to, that every time he goes to walk through their territory, they're going to come at him with spears and they're going to say, who do you think you are? But David Livingston, the great missionary in Africa, actually made covenant through blood, one way or another, a lot of the times through blood. So you've seen the movies, the Indian movies, where they cut themselves and they intertwine their blood like that. He did that 50 times. On the mission field. So wherever David Livingston went, guess what? He could go anywhere because he had an agreement with 50 tribes. And when he would walk through another region where there was another tribe, and they would say, who do you think you are? And he'd say, hang on, see that's cut, see that slash, see that mark? I'm with that tribe, I'm with this tribe. Oh, okay, away you go. That's exactly the same with us when the devil tries to come at us. And you say, hang on, devil. No, I'm with Jesus. I've got, I'm being saved by the blood of Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? So just to help some people understand the covenant. The covenant is enacted through blood. We have very little knowledge of it. So I want to understand and unlock the true nature, the significance of the covenant. I need to try and do that. Because we'll understand the heartbeat of God towards us. Who wants to understand God's heart towards us? Who would like to know God personally? Who would like to have a personal consultation with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Father God? Who, who would like that? There's appointments going tomorrow, 9 o'clock. Who wants to be the first one? Amen? Who? Uh, yeah. Make sure you... Yeah, anyway, won't go there. The cup is the new covenant in my blood, 1 Corinthians 11.25. The cup is the new covenant. We shared that. So we've got a new covenant. The covenant is about a desire of a God to have a relationship, the relationship of a personal intimacy with God. Look at these scriptures here. It's pretty clear in these scriptures. Genesis 17, 7 to 8. I will be your God. Look at Exodus 6, 7. You will be my people. Look at Exodus 29, 45. I will dwell in the midst of you. Leviticus 26, verse 12. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. See, you're starting to get something out of this that God, he really wants in, in, on, in our world. He, he wants to come home to, with you. He wants to be in your car with you. Bom, 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 bom. Get that music in, man. And, ah, bom, 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 bom. It's easy now because, you know, we have these uh, phones uh, that, you know, we're supposed to be speaking to this microphone and we can pretend we go, praise you, Jesus, and 
kid, people are looking at us at the lights. Ah, oh, they're speaking to someone on the phone. Geez, they're quite demonstrative. Boy, boy, are they having an argument? Or and you just go, praise God! You're not even on the phone at all. You're just in the groove, man, on the way to work. I want to go through the covenants, believe it or not. This is I've never done this, but I want to go right back to the Garden of Eden and share and 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 inform you give you revelation of the intentionality of God towards mankind. Is that cool? So let's go right back. You should have your notebooks and your pads and your Bibles. Jot these down because I'm going to motor through now. My time, my time is very short this morning. We need to consider the covenants that God has made with man during human history. And we can find some great stuff. And I've found some great stuff. Number one, the covenant in Eden. Now, I'm not going to be able to expand on, I'd love to expand on some of these, but the covenant in the Garden of Eden, as we know in the Bible, it says mankind turned up in the garden. We choose to believe that, that mankind, Adam, was bang, set down in the Garden of Eden. A perfect environment, peace, and God had, a dev- had this amazing relationship with Adam and... Um, and, and, and it, was, it was so cute. It was flourishing. The, this garden was flourishing. There was no wars, no hate, no violence. It was a perfect place. And that's where God had set his perfect man down into this crib, this beautiful... You know, the ladies, they love to set their cribs up. My daughter, man, she painted and she's got this beautiful crib. I mean, the crib's worth more than the house, I'm sure of it. Uh, the pram is worth more than my car, my God. But that's like a bit like God. He set them down in this perfect garden. I've expanded too much already. God puts Adam in the garden and talks and instructs. He leads, he guides Adam until, of course, Adam breaks covenant. Two. Now, this is where the word covenant is first mentioned. The second covenant that God makes with mankind is this, the covenant and Noah. God wipes out the planet, they're in sin, they're in debauchery, flood, flood, flood. Everyone is wiped out except Noah and his sons, his wife, and all the animals two by two. You know the story. And the Genesis 6.18 says, and I will establish my covenant with you. That's the first time covenant is mentioned in the B-I-B-L-E. Are you with me? All right. So, and here it goes. Now, what's this covenant about? Are you guessing? Uh, Genesis 6, 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This guy, he is full on for God. He loves God. He's got a, a conscience that is, that is awakened to God. He knows God's with him, over him, for him, behind him, in front of him. He is a man that has proven himself to God that he is in this total revelation of who God is. So, but Noah found favor in the eyes of God. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the peoples of his time, and he walked with God. So, the covenant, every time the covenant comes in, the covenant comes in, it's about God again finding a man who can again trigger off the blessing and his will again. He's got to find someone that can be the single key person that can, again, take this to a whole new, new, new dimension. It, it's just, I keep thinking of Microsoft. I don't know why, but it's literally like Microsoft, right? Here comes Windows 95 in Noah, but here comes Windows 98 in Abraham. Covenant with Abraham, number three. This one is huge because Father Abraham, he's the father of all the nations of the earth. There's a lot 
There's a lot hanging on this guy, Abraham. James 2.23 says, Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Hang on, I'm trying to bring out that word friend. I'm trying to bring out that these guys had a special relationship with God. Each one that he finds has this special relationship. And what is God's business about? Relationship, not religion. It's about you, my friend, you and you having a personal relationship. And God found favor in Garth. And Garth was God's friend. Oh, oh man. Pray for me, Garth. Pray for me. Come on. Number four, the covenant with Israel through Moses. Let my people go. Found a guy stammering. Not the Charlton Heston version, by the way. Charlton Heston version is not quite right. Charlton Heston's a great man. A man's man. Like Neil. A man's man. Yeah. Doesn't drink lattes. Where's King G's? Thongs. Barracks the footy on. Oh no, I'm getting the... No, 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 I think Ben Kingsley did a better job with Moses. Is that right? That's apparently the better version. Stammering, could hardly... Wasn't confident, but highly educated, but just really torn apart by being tossed out of this, this kingdom. The covenant... Uh, the covenant with Israel. Let's look at that. Exodus 33, verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Oh my God. As a man speaks with his friend. Anyone else, anyone in the building spoke to God face to face? What about when back there? Yeah, you've been speaking to God face to face. Julie actually saw the face of God in Singapore. In a fight. Jesus. Not God, Jesus. It's a whole testimony. The Lord would speak. You'd be dead, that's right, yeah. Saw the face of Jesus, that's right. Number five, I'm pushing through these really quick, sorry. I'm trying to get one point. Each of these covenants, now listen to me, each of these covenants are birthed out of a relationship. A relationship. You with me on that one? So it's about friendship, face-to-face, Noah walking with this huge, huge understanding that God's around him for him, and it's all, every covenant. So here comes another covenant, the covenant of David. I love this stuff. It's up there with the Aramaic covenant and it's exceeded in significance only by the new covenant. 1 Samuel 13, 14. Abramic, sorry. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 1 Samuel 13, 14. A man after his own heart. Now, this is a great story. The, and I cannot believe that as Christians... Been in the church for a couple of years, still haven't heard the story of David. David, the Goliath killer, the David who became king. And the whole story there is just an amazing story. Psalm 89. And, and, and listen, the, the deal here is this. In 1 Samuel 13, 14, a man after his own heart, meaning this is really, the key here, Luke, is really about intimacy. Intimacy. This guy's out in the paddocks, tending the sheep. He's got his strat got his mate and guitar, I should say, and, and he's with God, doing his job, but he's with the Lord. This is a guy that has a huge disposition towards God. In fact, he'll take on a lion or a bear, and he'll win, because he's God knows, I mean, he knows his God will defend him. Do you know what I mean? This guy will do anything. He'll even start a church. <laughs> you know, he's, 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 he's amazing. So that's David, the key. 
Psalm 89, 26. I can't help myself, but this is great. This is the heart of David. The Psalms are about David and his singing and his love for God through the Psalms. He will call out to me, you are my father and God, the rock, my savior. Psalm 89, verse 28. I will maintain my love to him forever and my covenant with him will never fail. And the last covenant and the final covenant that we are living in right now is the covenant that was enacted by Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. This is it, guys. Forget about Windows 2000. There's no more. This is the deal. This is like Bill Gates saying, forget it. This is the last revelation of Windows. There's nothing more we can do. This will be it for eternity. And this is Jesus saying, this is it. My son Jesus is paying for this amazing, I guess, amazing reality and, and, and kingdom to, to enact and reconcile God's people to him through his son Jesus. There's nothing better than this. It's through Jesus Christ, him crucified, him risen. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people. This is what happens out of that. We're a covenant people, Jew, Gentile. It doesn't matter. Now we're in Christ, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is us. This is you. Is, that, is it talking about me? Actually, this is about you. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Who can say amen to that? Individually, God marks these men, Abraham, Moses, and David, and all of them become God's friend. John 15, 14, tell us that in the new covenant. And this is the big deal. If you're new to this type of church, we're not trying to get you to a place of having just a huge alliance to a particular church or a particular doctrine, what we're, getting, what we're trying to do in the best way we can, we're trying to get you to be friends with Jesus. Alright? We're not trying to teach you line by line, and, and then you have this, this revelation of who God is. I find some people who have more, more revelation are the most unloving people, and the most distant from God. Knowledge puffs up, the Bible says. But still not discounting that we need to be studied up in our faith, show ourselves approved. But really, the bottom line of why Jesus came is for this, for you to be a friend of him. Here it is here, John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father. I have made known to you. It's about friendship with God. It's all about the new covenant is about friendship. Let's give it up for Jesus right there. Woo. I'm going to gloss over this too. Am I doing all right? I don't see God coming to the Abraham, by the way, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, saying, boy, you went to Bible college. You're the only one who, who I found had a, the, a theology degree in, in the Old Testament. Well done. Yeah, I'm going to perform my new covenant through you. I don't see that. All I see is intimacy with God. 
intimacy with God, friendship with God. Do you know what I'm saying? The new covenant is the same deal. Again, I'm not discounting to be studied up because you need the word of God. The word of God is Jesus. Now, oh, help me, Lord. Help me. Ten minutes. Help me. The Jewish Passover. The Passover was about a celebration every year. About celebrating the fact that the Israelites were released from Egypt. They were held captive. God's people. 400 years. Moses comes. Let my people go. They follow Moses out. They're pushed up against the Red Sea. Red Sea opens. God's people go through. Three million people go through. Water swallows back up. Kills the enemy. Kills Pharaoh's army. And, and, and they're across the other side. We call it salvation. We call it salvation. Do you know what I'm saying? So, um, the Passover is a celebration of that fact. Uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is, uh, is about that. It, it, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is that they couldn't even wait for the bread to rise because they had to get out of Egypt when the, when the green lights went. And so the bread that they ate in the unleavened feast was always flat, unleavened. It wasn't... Are you with me with that? And it's happening now. The Feast of Unleavened Bread in the Jewish calendar is happening right now. But it's coinciding with Easter. They're celebrating the Jewish unleavened bread, Passover celebration. If you go to a Jewish temple right now, they're really... They're in Lent. They're in a time of uh, fasting. Who wants to do that? Any Jewish people in here have been fasting? And, and they're starting to go through this season of the unleavened bread, the, 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 the Passover feast. Now, in that, they used to celebrate it in the Old Testament. And in that, God says, if you celebrate the fact that I released you all those through that time when you were bound in Egypt, but now you're set free, if you celebrate that, I'm going to bless you through this special time and this special season. And I want to take you through the miracles that happened as they came through or they came around the Passover, the Passover, uh, the Jewish Passover, but also the Unleavened Bread Festival. There was a time when all the men would come to Jerusalem and they would celebrate this fact of how God supernaturally set them free out of Pharaoh's clutches. But now in the New Testament, we have Easter that celebrates the same thing. Jesus came 2,000 years ago to release mankind into a relationship with God. So there's a, there's a parallel, do you know what I mean? But, but I want to... Next week I'm going to go into the New Testament benefits of the New Covenant. Right now, I'm going to go into some benefits of the Old Covenant and it's going to try and help you in understand the intentionality of God towards His people. God says this, miracle number one, here we go. These are 10 miracles. What is it, year 2010? Let's believe for 10 miracles, 10 Passover miracles. 10 is God's prophetic number of divine perfection. This can be yours. Let's believe it. Miracle one, angelic intervention. I, I don't know how I'm going to do this, guys, but can, can I have the scripture in Exodus 23.20? 20? Exodus 23.20, 20, I haven't even... Exodus 23.20. 20. Can... I guess you can't put that under... Thank you, Father. Let's just go through this really quickly. So here we are. We're at this festival of celebrating God's people set free from Egypt. And it's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's called the Passover. Because it's when they smeared the blood on the, on the doorposts and the lintels. And, and God was sending plagues on the Egyptians to let God's people go. And of course, the last measure was killing the firstborn. But God said, look, if you smear the blood, the lamb's blood on the doorpost, this angel, this dark angel, the angel of death, will see that blood on that home 
God's people's home will see that blood and just fly over. So all of God's people's firstborn were preserved. Their homes were preserved. It's about the blood again. It's about the blood. First one, angelic intervention in your life. Exodus 23, 20. God's angel to prepare the way. See, I'm sending you an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to a place I've prepared. I don't know. I just feel like if it's not going to be an angel right now, it's got to be the Holy Spirit, don't you reckon? It's got to be the Holy Spirit. Supernatural guidance. Same thing. Miracle too. Supernatural. Some people in the house, I'm speaking to some people who need this. You need a miracle in this Easter season. I'm going to believe for a miracle for you. And it's one of these miracles that are in, this ten, in these ten miracles. Angelic intervention. You need a Holy Ghost intervention. You need a God invention in your, in your life. A God intervention. Are you with me? In your marriage. We, we, we saved one marriage this week. They needed a Holy Ghost intervention. And we save that marriage. Praise God. Do you know what I'm saying? Some people are in the house right now. You have needs of a, of a miracle. You have needs of a holy God intervention. So number two, supernatural guidance. What about the destruction of adversaries? Some people have got generational curses, soul ties, things hanging around them, things barking at them. Generational curses are true, can come down through your bloodline. Destruction of your adversaries, 23, 22. What does that say? If you listen carefully to what, to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and, and, and will oppose those who oppose you. I think some of us need God to oppose some of their adversaries that are trying to steal from us and block us from doing what God wants us to do. Number four, miraculous financial breakthrough. Who can say amen to this? 23, 25, what does it say? And, and God is saying, if you, if you honor the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, these are the things that I will do. This is what God's saying through the Old Covenant. And next week we're going to get to the New Covenant. 25, we're talking about financial breakthrough. Worship the Lord your God, and His blessing will be on your food and water, and I will take away, and I will take away sickness from amongst you. Was that number five? Was that, that was 20, 26. 20, yeah, yeah. Divine healing and health. Number six, number, number six, that was number five, number six. Increased territory. Exodus 23, 30. Um, little by little. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament. Realizing that when we get saved, little by little, God's going to start reclaiming back your land. He's going to start reclaiming back your life. In your soul, in your physical, in your spiritual. You have an inheritance in Christ. There's nothing more Christ can do. It is finished. You have, what be- you, you have an inheritance. It belongs to you. Little by little, God is reclaiming your life back for you. See that? Little by little, it says in verse 30, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of my, of my land. What's the land? The spiritual land is now your land of your inheritance, spiritual and physical. Praise God. Number eight, enemies driven out of your life. Same scripture. Number nine, who needs this miracle? Number nine, a return of what Satan has stolen from you. Who needs something back that Satan stole? Has anyone had their health, their joy, their peace? Has anyone had their, their, their prayer life stolen? Has anyone had their calling stolen? 
Has anyone had their, their service to God? Hey man, I used to be like Graham Calvin. I used to serve the house of the Lord. Man, I, I was gung ho for the church one time. I, you know, maybe I should, you know, what has, maybe someone's had a marriage stolen. Maybe someone's had finances stolen. Maybe someone's had whatever. But we can get it back. I wish I could expand on that. And of course, number 10, and I haven't got time to go there, debt cancellation in 2 Kings 4, 1, 1 to 7. We're done. Miracle. A miracle of debt cancellation. Father, we're praying that debts be cancelled this year in this house. We had a major meeting with the NAB Bank, 12 stories up in Sydney, about the, the rise and build and the church's finances. Everyone knows we have a $900,000 mortgage. And the people who give to rise and build, I take my hat off to you. But God is our provider. We're not, we're not, we, we don't have to totally rely on you, but we do. But in fact, God is our provider. So we go 12 stories up in the NAB building in Sydney. And we have this meeting. We go through security after security, through doors, security. I felt like, get smart, mate. Doors opening. I'm just going through all these doors. What's going on? You guys are a bit antsy about terrorism or something. We get to meet these important people about finances. But debt cancellation. We pray debt cancellation over people's lives. Money is an issue. And we need to see people blessed. And this is what I want to say over you lastly. God is about to intervene in your personal circumstances to bring about a supernatural blessing to meet your personal needs in such a creative, a God-ordained way that you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your miracle came straight from the heart of God. Let's all stand. God bless you. Come on, let's all stand right now. Father, we thank you.